And I'm just going to jump right in. Um, we've got a lot of things we're going to try to accomplish this morning, and I think that you'll enjoy it. Um, I think the process, we're doing things a little bit different, and you'll see how that lays out in just a minute. Um, so I'm just, just going to jump right in. So three years ago this month, three years ago, um, the pastor that I worked for at Jubilee Fellowship um, approached me and said, hey, I think that you and your wife, Kim, should take our Castle Rock campus and you should start your own church. And I looked at him and I said, you're wrong. <laughs> and many of you know the story, um, but we're going to go into kind of the foundation of Shine a little bit today for those of you that are uh, newer to the church and maybe don't know how this all started. Um, and then we're going to go and transition into what we believe God is doing for this year. And so... Um, in praying about it, I had a dream, and my wife and I just got some downloads from God, and we decided, okay, yeah, we are supposed to do this. And in the middle of that, I really felt very strongly that God wanted us to lead this church in a different way than normal churches are, are run and led. Um, and so if you, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but just make sure everybody's on the same page. Most churches are, read, are led by a senior pastor. And it kind of flows down almost kind of like a business model, and it goes down to executives, and, and it just flows down into that kind of organizational chart. And I felt like the Lord told me, don't lead that way. Put a team around you, and I want you to use that team to actually establish um, the vision and the focus of what the church will be, and picture it more like a wheel, where you have the center of the wheel, and there's a team, and then it, there's another team around that, and another team around that. And so we started to pursue that, and so we put three other couples together, uh, DJ and Cammie Smith, Robin and Amy Painter, and Janet and Darren Sessmat, and they all agreed uh, that they felt like the Lord was doing the exact same thing. Now, here's a funny little story on that. They kept asking me, what's the vision of the church? What's the vision of the church? And I told them, I'm not telling you until you tell me you say yes. And so they struggled with that, and they went before the Lord, and all three couples said, we believe that God is calling us to do this and go with you. And then I was able to go, okay, well, here's the deal. I don't want to be the one that comes up with the vision. I want us to be the ones that actually come up with that. And in the process and getting prepared, we, that was in March, um, we started in August of 2018. And in that preparation time, um, I was reading all kinds of books and getting with all kinds of different people and just kind of downloading everything that I could. And one gentleman that I consider a mentor um, actually said this, a lot of churches get a vision and then ask everybody to come underline or under that vision. And he goes, but I just don't see that in the Bible. He goes, I believe that we're supposed to live life together and let the vision come out of living life together. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love that. And that's just totally resonated in my heart. And so we got together with the Smiths, the Painters, the Sesmats, and we called this little team a formation team. And we started to pray and go through every little teeny decision about Shine Church. Now, let me tell you, this is one of the most uh, difficult and grueling processes I've ever been through in my life. To be quite honest with you, I told my wife many times in the first few months, it would be so much easier if we would just make a decision and tell them what to do. But that's not what got placed in our heart. And so we got together and we wrestled through and we talked about different things and what God was calling. And so um, some of you know, but I want to make sure that everybody is aware, we came up with four pillars that we believe this church 
that God wanted this church to be built on. And so I'm going to quickly go through these. If you want to know more about these pillars, in August of 2018, we did two messages on each pillar. So August, September, and October, you can go back on Facebook and listen to those messages and get the heart and the foundation to each one of these pillars. But I'm going to quickly go through them right now. The first one is this. We believed that God was telling us to be a, a church that encouraged people to engage. Engage with one another and with God. Let me start that again. I said it and pointed differently. With God and one another. Okay? The tagline to that was this. Don't go it alone. Let's not do this alone. And here's what's really excited, exciting for me. In the last two and a half years, one of the things that this church is absolutely known for is the fellowship and community that's taking place. You watch this morning, a majority of you, when we conclude, a majority of you will not leave this building for 15, 20, 30 minutes, maybe an hour later because of the relationship and the fellowship and the community. And we absolutely love that. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the fellowship, to, to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. We really felt like this is a foundational element to what we wanted to be as a church. The second one is this identify or identity. And the tagline is this, know who you are. Know who you are. And we prayed through and we believed what the Lord was downloading to us was this. If you understand how God sees you and what he thinks about you, then that helps you, a, it encourages you and puts you in a position where you can actually engage with him and you can engage with others. And so the foundation of scripture, 1 Peter 2, 9 to 10, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And um, the heart of the formation team was, hey, man, until people understand who they are in Christ, they won't be able to do the things that God has for them and has put them here for. And so, uh, Pastor Rob, just such a, a huge element to this piece. He just, he, he breathes and lives identity. If you ever want to know um, what the Word of God says about identity, go see Pastor Rob, because he will tell you. And if you will receive what he says, it will change your life. It will impact. And so, again, another foundation that we felt like this church should be built on. The third one, empower. Tagline was this, do what you love. Do what you love. The scripture, 1 Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gift you have, re have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Church, let me tell you something. Every single one of you was born for such a time as this. You may not feel like that. You may not think that right now, but I'm, I'm telling you, you are on this planet right now because God has a purpose and a plan for you. Whether you believe it or not, he believes it with all of his heart. And he wants you to understand that he's given you gift, giftings and talents in order to accomplish that purpose and plan. But you have to first understand that he loves you. You have to grab a hold of who, how he sees you. And then you have to understand that he wants to empower you in these things. And to be quite honest with you, um, we're starting to see that in this church. We're starting to see people step out 
and be activated in the things that God has called them to do. And from the very beginning, one of the things that has been on all of our hearts as a leadership team is that it's not about the pastoral team, it's about you guys and you guys doing the ministry. Ephesians says that our job is to equip and train you to do the work. And here's what I'm starting to see. I'm starting to see in our house church, we had four or five different house church leaders teach the message on their own, not use ours. We had four or five house churches that actually did live worship and did it on their own, didn't use our worship. We had one house church that didn't plan on teaching and the technical equipment failed. They taught, they had to teach. They were forced into it. Ha <laughs> We have, in just a minute, we're gonna have a couple from the church come and give a portion of this message. We've got people that God is calling out and we're starting to see this, and we are so excited to watch God empower each one of you. And I just want to remind all of you, our heart is to come alongside you guys, help you figure out what God is calling you to, and help you become great in that thing. That's our heart as pastors, to empower you. And the last pillar is this, multiply. Tagline is this, to give it away. Familiar scripture, uh, Matthew 28, 19 through 20, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I believe earlier in that chapter, Jesus is talking to the disciples and says, all authority has been given to me. And basically what he's saying is, I'm taking all that authority that has been given to me and I'm transferring it to you so that you can go out and you can make disciples and you can go change the world. Now, here's what I want you to hear. It's you that do this. It's not the pastors of a church. Yay! Okay, that would have been a great place for that. And here's what's really cool about these pillars. We really felt like they're just cyclical because as you understand and engage God in a certain area of your life, you begin to understand how he sees you in that. He begins to empower you in that gifting. You begin to let that flow out of you and you multiply. And then God doesn't leave you there. He picks another area in your life which he engages you. He shows you how he thinks about it. He empowers you and you multiply. And it's just a cyclical maturing process in our walk. And so that is really the foundation of this church. And just so you know, um, every meeting, almost every meeting that we have as a staff, we filter what we're discussing through one of these four pillars. Hey, this would really fit here. This really encourages identity. This really encourages empowerment. And so um, how did this weekend's message come about? Well, um, in August, uh, well, let me go back. One year ago this March, what happened? COVID. COVID. So I, get the picture. We start this church two years or three years ago in August, and we get a year and a half into it, January of 2020, and we're super excited about, okay, we've started it, we've maintained it well, now it's time to start casting vision, and what does God have for us to move into? We hit March, and it was like this screeching, uh, we were back to basically, what do we do? How do you run church when you can't have church? 
when you can't have the gathering, what do you do? And so we, we wrestled through that. And in the middle of that, the actual house church idea came out. And I'm telling you, it's one of the most uh, divinely inspired things that I think our formation team has come up with because the life that is happening in these groups, the reports and the testimonies that we're getting is just absolutely amazing. If you're not a part of one, I strongly encourage you to get involved in one because as we live life together, it's amazing how we can sharpen each other and grow together. And so we, we start to plan that. And in August, which is our two-year anniversary last year, Janet and Darren came up to us and said, hey, listen, um, Darren, as many of you know, Darren worked four or five days a week out of state. He travels for his work. He would come back Saturday, be at church, be here on Sunday. Every other Sunday, we had a formation team meeting that usually went three or four hours. And so he just said, I can't, I can't continue to do this. We want to stay here. Janet still is our admin, um, but they, if, as you remember, he, they told us this in August, but in October, we announced it to the whole church that they were stepping off the formation team. So we as a formation team decided, okay, we have to pray about what we're going to do. So we took a couple months to pray about it, and um, here's what we felt like the Lord was leading us to do. Um, we didn't feel like it was time or it would be appropriate to add another couple to the team um, because to do that, unless they could be full-time on the church staff, we would just be adding the same issue that the Sesmets had to deal with. And so what we decided is that we would, this is ringing a little bit, Sean, if you could bring me down just a little. Um, so we decided um, that we would ask three couples from Shine Church to actually help us uh, and be a part of what we decided to call a vision team. And so, um, just so you get the demographics of the Painter, Smiths, and DeMays, we're all about that mid-century age. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> DJ's, DJ's 18 days younger than me, um, so okay, yeah. Um, how convenient that comes out that way now, yeah, okay. Um, so here's what we decided. We, we thought, you know what, we need to grab three younger couples that, I, I was reminded of the scripture in Acts, um, that when they needed extra workers, they looked at people who were known to be wise and full of the Holy Spirit. And so we asked three couples, John and Jess Patton, Manny and Ashley Loeza, and Janelle and Marcus Pillar to come and be a part of a vision team. And we told them, here's what we want. We want a um, two-weekend commitment a year. We want to get away. We want to pray. We want to seek the heart of God. And we kind of just want to say, hey, what do you have, God, for vision for this next season? We really felt strongly that we needed to get somebody in the generation coming up. And so these guys are, some of them are more than 20 years younger than the formation team, which is awesome. They bring such a great perspective and a great understanding. And so we collaborated and put together this weekend where we were going to just dream a little bit about the church. Here's what we felt like the Lord was showing us. Churches a lot of times get stagnant in what God had called them to. Does that make sense? You get some fresh vision. You go, oh, this is really good. You do it as a church. Then you get dogmatic about it, and God moves, and you say, nope, this is what, who we are. You see this in the Old Testament when God was leading the Israelites and was leading them by a cloud 
by day and fire by night. And when that cloud or fire would move, all of Israel would pack up everything and move. My question to you is, are you willing to move wherever God's going? Or do you get so comfortable in the structure of what we have that you're like, ooh, don't change it? Because I have been challenged that maybe the structure is an old structure and God wants to do something new. Could it be that he has used this whole COVID thing to actually challenge churches and people to actually do things differently? I'm not saying he created COVID for that, but he definitely is using it to challenge you and I in our walk with God. And will you take a look at the things in your life and see what has become stagnant or see what things in your life God wants to go, hey, this brought you life then, but it's not now. And I want you to move now over here. And so as this vision team, we started to pray and talk about what would God have us do now? And we started looking into things that we feel like God likes about what we're doing and then asking the question, okay, what would God have us change or what would God have us do now? And here's what was super encouraging for Kim and I. We left the first, or the first night, so we had like four and a half hours the first night and then three hours the next day. We just prayed and talked. And um, we walked away from that going, oh my gosh, it's our pillars. And then we were just super encouraged by that is that what he founded this church on is still the foundation of this church, but now he's challenging us to make, maybe look at how we do that differently for this year. And so as we're talking about that, both DJ and Amy write in their notebook as they're taking notes and stuff, they both write this, 2021, and they spell out O-N-E. And one of them shared it, and the other one was like, oh my gosh, look! And I mean, it was at exactly the same time, and we we're like, okay, Holy Spirit, you are clearly doing something here with this. And so we start talking about that. And I'm going to quickly give you the summary, because what we did is we took what happened at that weekend, we brought it to our staff, and let our staff poke holes in it, and talk about it, and, and share what they liked about it, or what concerns they have. And this is basically what we came out with. We believe that 2021 is the year to focus on one. One desire to pursue together. And what, the word that kind of came out, a little, the thing that kept bubbling when we talked about this, is an encounter. Anyway, okay. Do you realize that when you have an encounter with God, it changes your life? When's the last time you had an encounter? Was it during worship? Was the word that I gave and then DJ gave? You know what? God stopped this service for somebody in here or somebodies because they want you to because he wants you to know that he's greater than whatever you're going through. He stopped a service for you. Sometimes we miss the encounters that God has for us because we're just so caught up in the thing that we're dealing with. But I'm here to tell you that God wants you to understand him and he wants to give you encounters one at a time. The second thing is this, um, 2021, we believe that God is calling us to go one step deeper or one step closer to him at a time. And we started talking about this and this really is the equipping, the educating, the empowering portion of who we are. And as we talk about these things already in the last few weeks as a staff, we've been filtering our ministries and the things that we do through these three 
things, the encounter, the empowering, and this last one, which is one person at a time. We believe that God wants us to engage one person at a time. We believe that God wants to engage us one person at a time. Um, And what's really cool is we're starting to see this. About uh, two weeks ago, I got to go over to a neighbor's house. And I didn't know this guy very well. Met him only a couple times. But he texted me and said, "Uh, I'm not doing well. Can you come over? So, absolutely. So I went over, and I don't want to go into all the details that he's struggling, but he's just dealing with a bunch of stuff. And in the middle of this conversation, he goes, I just need help from Mother Earth or whoever God is, I need help. And I was like, I know who this is. And I start talking to him about Jesus and begin to give him an understanding of he walked and talked on this planet and he loves you and God sent him because he cares so much for you. And I said, what you need is you need help from Jesus. And he goes, well, how do I, how do I get help from him? And I said, well, you invite him into your heart. He goes, can we pray? He asked me. Yes. So he starts praying and just starts confessing, I'm a sinner and I need help. And I got to pray over him and, and I just prayed the baptism of the Holy Spirit on him. We get done praying. He goes, oh my gosh, I'm tingly all over. I feel so light. Now church, listen, God cares about individuals one at a time and he's gonna use you to bring his love to them. We have a world of people that are like this neighbor that are struggling and they just haven't heard or they just don't know the great love that God has for them and he's gonna use you to do this, one person at a time. Don't feel overwhelmed like you have to go save your whole neighborhood. But will God put one person into your heart? And so here's what we're gonna do for the next three weeks. We're gonna tackle these three uh, ones, the encounter, the empowering, the engaging. We're gonna do one each week. And we're gonna divide up the teaching. And what I mean by that is, Um, each one of us as a teaching team is going to speak today and next week and the following week. And we've invited one of the couples that came with us for the vision team to actually teach too. And believe me, this is a stretch for them. But this is what it's all about. Church, if we can't do this in church, how are we ever going to do it out here? Yes? And okay, so I get to go first. Encountering God. God, give us one desire to pursue together. Scripture I thought of when I was preparing this was in Ephesians chapter three. This is Paul's prayer for you and I. Listen to what Paul is praying. I ask that out of the riches of his glory, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Then you, being rooted and grounded in love, will have power I'm going to stop real quick. Two times, in two verses, he mentions the power that God wants you to have. Let me just ask you. I don't want you to respond. I don't want you to raise your hand. I don't want you to tell me where you're at with this. But are you experiencing the power of God in your life right now? Or are you finding yourself kind of sheepishly moving through life? Yes, I'm a believer, but I just don't experience any power right now. Because what... God's heart is for each one of us is that we would have an understanding that not only does he love us, but he wants to give us power to do the things he's called us to do. 
And if you don't have that power, ask him to give you a hunger for it and ask him to give you that empowerment. Ask him to start stirring your heart. In what ways do you want me to step out in your power? Not my power, but your power that you want me to step out into. This is the prayer for Paul, for you and I, that you would have power together with all the saints. It's not just about one of us. It's about us together doing this. And listen to what it says, to comprehend the length and width, the height, the depth, and the love of Christ, and to know this love. Now, get this picture. What he's saying is this. We will understand the vastness, the hugeness, the bigness of who God is, how he is greater than anything else, how he is so much better than anything else, like we sang today, when we actually let God empower us and we come together and encourage one another in these things. Yes? Do you see this? And it's when we do that together, when we have this one pursuit as a body of believers that is pursuing God together, individually and corporately, when we do that, we will understand how big God is. We each have a little piece of that, and God is big in each one of our lives, but when we compile it together, he is so much greater than we could ever hoped or imagined. Yes? Get that picture. Then he finishes this, and I want you to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Wait, I want you to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I believe what God is saying here is this. He wants us to understand that there's two ways of knowing. And if you look up that word know, and if you look up that word knowledge, go to biblehub.com, you can test me on this, look up the Greek words, it actually, they both mean coming, knowledge coming from an experience. But one of them is an experience, an intimate, interactive experience, and the other one is an experience of head knowledge. And so I'm gonna ask you a question today. Why are you here? Are you here today to get more head knowledge? Or do you come to church on a weekend to not only get head knowledge, but to get the experiential knowledge of stepping out in what he has for us? We believe that God is challenging us as a church to use our weekend services to not only get head knowledge, but to actually start to step out in practical understanding and knowledge of doing it. What I mean by that is, in the coming weeks, we may get up and go, hey, we feel like somebody has a word, and your heart's going to go, and we're going to say, hey, take this and bring it up front and give this out. Let's do this. A.W. Tozer, in his book, Pursuit of God, says this, for it is not mere words that nourish the soul but God himself. And unless and until the hearers find God in personal experience, unless they have an encounter, they are not the better for having heard the truth. Get that. You are not the better for coming to church. As a matter of fact, I would almost submit that if you come to church with only an expectation to get more head knowledge and not an open heart to get experiential knowledge of encounters with God, then you will actually walk out of here a little colder than you did when you came in. Ooh, this is good. I didn't say this last night. This is for you. We need to come to church with an understanding, yes, God, teach us, 
but also, God, train us. And we need to come in with not just an attitude of what can I get from you today, God, but what is it that you have for me to give today? I would love it if during worship people were getting up and moving around and talking to other people and praying over people because, hey, God gave me a word for you and step over and give that word. Let me pray for you. And, hey, you know what? Interrupt our service that way anytime you want to. If we get out of control, okay, we'll correct it at that point. I would much rather have to correct that than to be begging you to step out into what God's called you to do. Man, church, we have to do this together. And if we just come to hear more head knowledge, and we don't come with an expectation, as A.W. Tozer says, we will not be better just by hearing the truth. He goes on and says, social religion is perfected when private religion is purified. The body becomes stronger as its members become healthier. The whole church of God gains when the mentors or members that compose it begin to seek a better and higher life. So as we do this individually, we come together corporately and we, come, we become better and God becomes greater. And he finishes by saying this. We sense that the call is for us. I think every person listening to me right now is probably like, oh man, this is right, this is true, it's, this is good. But still we fail to draw near and the years pass And we grow old and tired in the outer courts of the tabernacle. And then A.W. Tozer says, what hinders us? What hinders us? And I will just finish my portion by saying this. I believe that we have gotten into this terrible habit of coming into a place to learn about God, but not have been given the tools to actually apply what we're learning. It would be like going into this gym next door and having a trainer take you through the process of the equipment, but never letting you get on it. This is how you do the treadmill. This is how you work it. These are the buttons you push. This is how you, and they don't ever let you get on it. So then when you go out into the world and you see a treadmill, you're like, yeah, I know what all the buttons do, but I've never actually been on one. And so I'm not going to actually get on it. But if the trainer does his job right, he teaches you, he puts you on it, you walk on the treadmill, you run on the treadmill, you're like, okay, I get this, I got this. Then you step off, you go into the world, you see a treadmill, and you're like, I know exactly what to do. You get on and you go. Could the weekend service, church, be a time where God takes not just a time to worship, not just a time to learn, but actually a time to actually practically practice what we're gonna do? And we're asking as a leadership team, What does that look like? We may ask you to get in groups and pray for each other. We may ask you, hey, do you have a word? Somebody's got a word. We're not moving on until somebody gets up here and gives it. Now, here's the deal. We're not going to force this. We want it to be spirit-led. We're not going to do that. We're not going to make anything a formula. We want God. we're, We're grabbing hold of Jesus and saying, lead us into what you have. And so that's my portion I went way longer than I was supposed to, so all of you are going to have to just do your part. We're super short. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> all right, so I'm going to invite John and Jess Patton. There's, this is one of the couples. Give them a hand that have agreed to be a part of this team. And I know right now, um, this is very nerve-wracking for them. They've never gotten up and taught before, at least at Shine Church. I don't know if you ever have anywhere. Um, but they have agreed to do this because they believe in what God is doing. And so, John and Jess Patton.
as we were preparing for this, um, I was good, you know, I was ready, I had bullet points, and then I stepped on stage last night and forgot everything that I was supposed to talk about. <laughs> so I brought better notes today, because we're lucky. Um, I think we can all agree that we would love to bring someone to Jesus as Dan's story was with his neighbor. Um, I think that'd be a very cool experience for, for any one of us. Um, but the question is, how are we supposed to lead someone to Jesus if we've never experienced his love? Um, so we need to empower ourselves and change the posture of our hearts. Uh, when I started going to church, when we first got married, Jess was like, we're, we're going to church now. So I went to church, and I, would, I didn't participate in worship. I wasn't... Uh, I would zone out with the message and, and just kind of um, chill out and not not listen. Um, but as time went by, I'd start to sing a little bit, you know, a chorus here, a chorus there, start to pull out a few things from, uh, from the sermon, and uh, slowly my heart began to open. Um, till now, where I can see a sunset and hear Jesus tell me that he loves me or I can be doing the dishes at home, and he tells me that he's proud of me. Um, God is eagerly running after you um, and wants you to come to him. Uh, and the Bible is full of examples of him uh, waiting for you or, or you, him coming after you. In Psalms it says, Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Uh, in 1 John 4.19, it says, We love him because first he loved us. And in Revelation 3, Jesus says, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. So you may say, you know, this is great, John, Like, but can't just God... Open my, open my heart for me, and he can. We've seen that in the Bible with Paul. Uh, before, before Paul was Paul, he was killing Christians, and God's like, not anymore. <laughs> so, um, but, um, it, a, a practical example of this is we've all can relate to having a pet or or um, know someone who has a pet, and if you take that pet and you grab it and force it to sit on, on your lap and you pet it, you know, it's struggling to try to get away, you know, you get your, your little love and then it's on its way. But how much better is that experience when that pet comes over to you and nuggles, nudges your arm and sits in your lap and you get to, to spend some time and, uh, and pet that pet? That's such a better experience for both you and the pet. So God wants you to come chasing after him and sit in his lap. Sometimes when we talk about encounters with God, we can start to feel a pressure, um, like it's on us. Uh, we start thinking things, limiting beliefs, right? Like things that... I'll be ready when, or God doesn't want to talk to me, or I have to change X, Y, Z. 
But God is not looking for an even trade. Let's be honest, there's nothing that we can give him that would equal what he's given us. The only thing that we can bring him is our lack and our need. The Bible is full of examples of God coming to his people in their need. The blind needed to see, the deaf needed to hear. He will meet you in your broken relationships. He will meet you in your addiction. He will meet you in your loneliness or your anxiety. Ask God for that. Ask him to come to you in your need and in your weakness. And trust that he will come to you. Trust that he will answer that call. He wants to answer that call. But when he does, don't put an expectation on it. You can't expect it to look like your neighbor's experience. You can't expect it to look like your brothers, your sisters. It won't look like Moses or the woman at the well. Don't put God in a box. It might not even look like the encounter that you had last time. It might not be this big thing. It might be this quiet thing inside of you. Okay. I just want you guys to be encouraged. I've been looking out today. Been on the stage kind of a lot. Um, <laughs> so during worship, I was looking out, and I was just looking, and I was like, you are loved. 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 And that hit me, you know, pretty hard, actually. Um, I just want you to be encouraged that the Lord of the universe knows you. He knows your heart. He knows where you're at. He knows the good parts of you, and he knows the mess and he wants to be a part of that. And all you have to do is invite him into that. So invite him in church, okay? Thank you. Thank you guys. That's great. I, uh, I just had a few thoughts I wanted to share. I won't, I'll be brief uh, about something that I felt a little put on my heart in terms of these encounters that we're talking about. But before I do, I did have a, uh, a quick question I wanted to ask you guys. Does anybody happen to know where Solomon's temple is located in the Bible? Anybody? It's on the side of his head. Uh, his temple's on the side of his head. I, you guys were going deep, man. You wanted to go real deep with that one, didn't you? Sorry. That's Bible knowledge there. No, I, I wanted to share just real brief about this whole idea of encounter from, from, from a perspective that, um, that I think the Lord has towards us. And this is first, out of 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. And it says something very profound, and I think it's essential, because it says, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us first. Now, this is super important. It's so simple but so important because I, I don't know about you. I mean, growing up, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, as many of you may know. Maybe you don't. I, I believed in a concept of God, but I had no idea that 
uh, of who he was. I, I just thought it was a bunch of religious stuff that you did, and um, I couldn't understand it. And I actually, for, for high school and then into college, I was trying to be a real intellectual, so I became, I thought I was like an atheistic evolutionist, you know? You, you know what I, just trying to disprove, man, this is crazy. And the more I did that, the darker I got. It's amazing. I, I just got dark. And I started to think, somebody started to share with me some ideas about God that he's love. It says, it says right, right here in John, 1 John, just a few verses after this, God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So I started to think about that, and, and I just want to encourage you guys, when we position ourselves for these encounters, these encounters can happen at any moment, right? Anytime. I believe God, because he's infinite, he can encounter us in, in ways if we just are aware of positioning ourselves properly, and I think this scripture speaks to that. It's positioning ourselves to simply receive the love that God has. In this is love. Not that we try so hard to love him, because that's wonderful, and I could try to do that, but it's more he is love. And so as I started thinking about that when I was younger, I'd sit out in in Tucson. I I was in Tucson for many years, and, man, the skies there at night are beautiful. You can see the stars, you know. And I'd sit there and I'd think, man, there's a creator. If this is true, instead of my atheistic beliefs that everything just sort of happened by chance and there's really no purpose, there's no meaning, that's dark. Why not try to go to the other side and go, wait a minute, there's a God who actually loves me? And the moment I did that, it start, I could just receive it. Does, does that make sense? The encounter was happening, and I believe it's, ha- it's, it's that way all the time. So I want to give you, I'll close with this. I want to give you a quick example of how simple this is when we just position ourselves in terms of taking that love outside of the church. I don't know about you, but I can be in a supermarket line, and I'm just getting frustrated with people, especially if they take out their checkbook. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, my job, man. It's going to take forever. They always start writing their little checks, and I've done that too. But uh, you know, and I'm not aware, man. Maybe, maybe the Lord wants me to just be aware to help somebody find, see God's love today in in that. Or how about driving on the on the road? Anybody else get a little road rage every once in a while? I know I do, and I'm trying really to just say, Lord, wait a minute. I don't have to see life through that lens. If I just open my eyes, it's all around me all the time, these opportunities. And the young girl that came in, her name's Alika. She's sitting in a chair. We had it on speakerphone. And the lady on the other line, her name's Leanne, and she says, okay, does your church want to pay for the one-month premium, or how about uh, do you want to do the six months? And right then and there, we just knew we got to do six months. So we said that. We're going to do six months. And this lady, Alika, starts crying. Now, this is God's love. God knows what she needed, man. She, he knows, obviously. She starts crying and goes, oh, my gosh. It was only a few hundred bucks. It's not like it was $10,000 know, or a million dollars. It was just the heart of God knowing this young lady. And then the lady on the other end wrote, she literally, oh, hang on, I'm going to lose it. I just had it, man. Hang on. I'm so sorry. She, I want to read this to you because it's so powerful. Why did that happen to me? Did you ever, it's just because get, I'm getting older. You know, he did say that 
You know, I just turned 55 in January. I know I probably don't look it. But I'm actually 58. But I had a head cold in 2017 that was horrible. And uh, time stood still. Everything changed. Hang on. Hang on. Uh, I got to find. Anyway, I, I, I can't find it. It just went erased on my phone. But uh, literally, the lady sent me an email. And she says, hi, Miss Pastor Rob. This is Leanne. I just want to let you know. I'm the one who helped with the customer service to help the gal that your church wanted to help. And she literally said this, I've never experienced the love of God like I have listening to what this young woman was, how thankful she was and how generous your church is. And she said, I will never forget that phone call. And she said this, she goes, what's the name of your church? I forgot to say this last night. She goes, I want to make a donation to that ministry because people need that. All I'm saying, man, is that's God's love, and he knows it. He knows us, and if we look at it in terms of, man, he first loved us, then we take that, Christ in you, the hope of glory out there, and just be aware he'll use you to love people. So I just want to encourage us to, as we get into 2021 with all this COVID stuff, man, we, there are opportunities, endless opportunities to love people right where you're at, in the grocery store, even if they're writing a check, man, even if they drop their pen. That happened to me. She dropped her, the lady dropped her pen, and she, <laughs> it took her a long time, and I was getting mad, and then I felt the Lord say, you know, I, I did. I just felt the Lord say, man, why don't you just pay for her groceries since she can't pay for them right now? Because once she got the check, she, they didn't, you know, you know, they have to put it in there, and it goes through the little machine, and it kept kicking it back. And she started, she goes, oh, I don't know. And I just knew I got to, and it was only like $35. It wasn't that. It was just in the moment. Instead of me being a jerk like I normally can be, I'm like, I can actually pay for groceries. So I paid for her groceries. And she's going, I can't, it was like cat food. You know? Seriously, it was cat food and some milk and a few items. And she couldn't pay for it because her checkbook was, it bouncing, it kept kicking it back. So anyway, if we open our eyes that he first loved us, amen? He loves us, therefore we can love. So thank you guys. And here comes Janelle. Someone told me last night there's nothing like an encounter with Pastor Rob. And I think if we can say that, we can confidently say there's nothing like an encounter with Jesus. Because what's so amazing about encounter with God is it marks us. And it changes us. And so we don't even need to give you the five steps of encounter. Okay, do this. And then now you're going to go through this list in your mind at the grocery store. Because when you've encountered Jesus, your heart changes. Your life changes. Your countenance changes. And that's what, that's all we're asking for is for us to show up. And we know that God will do his part over and over and over again. And so I'm just so encouraged. I love the life of God that flows through this place. Um, what I'm about to share on Encounter, you're going to be like not surprised by it at all, which is a good thing. Here's the reason why. From the beginning of time, the church in the Bible, when we read about it, there are certain elements of encountering God that are constant, certain ways that are tried and true. Why? Because they're foundational and they're transformational. At Shine Church, we want to be on a solid foundation, and we want to be transformed by the truth that we find in the Word. And so what are those things? These are things that you're going to see week after week in our gatherings, in your house churches, in this building, um, hopefully when you gather with other people for random events. But what are those things? 
we're going to study the word of God. Why? Because we have to know his way, right? We have to know truth so that we can model everything that we do after that. So we're going to dive into the word. We're going to dive into worship. Again, why? Because God knows the things that sustain and that nourish us. Encounter with Jesus through worship, coming from your worship pastor, hey, it's such a beautiful thing. There's nothing like it. Just waiting on him in his presence, and it gives us an opportunity to listen and to hear his voice, to become people who are familiar with his voice. And then the next thing is just prayer. All throughout scripture, we see pray, pray, pray. Why? Because we have to connect with God. Again, it's just another form of connection, of encounter with him, and that's so important. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into his image. What a testimony if when we're out in public and we're in our neighborhoods and we're doing, we're mowing lawns, who knows? But people from Shine Church have been transformed into the image of God and that's the testimony of his goodness in our community because when people encounter you, they will know. Whether they even know that you've been with Jesus because there's something different about you. First Chronicles 16:11, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his presence continually. Can we commit to that in 2021 to seek Jesus together? We know that authentic encounter draws people to him. So let's commit ourselves to putting him on display. Amen. If I was a graphic designer, this is what I would have done. I would have had like a flashbang and then on the screens would be 2021 with a hand. Can you guys do this? 2020. And then I disappear. Great. Thank you so much, Janelle. Well, I promise I'm going to be brief uh, and we'll wrap this up today. Um, but I think it's obvious that God is speaking to us and leading us and that he is serious about encounter. And uh, if you want one more reason um, or one more bit of proof for that, Song of Solomon, which someone dared me, I couldn't read Song of Solomon in the public service. So I'm just making a quick 20 bucks here. Sorry, guys. <laughs> just Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. This is uh, speaking of Jesus and his relationship with us. But it says, My beloved spoke and said to me, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. See, the winter is past, the rains are over and gone, flowers appear on the earth, the season of singing has come, the cooing of doves is heard in our land. And then listen to how David, I believe, responded to hearing that call from our bridegroom in Psalm 27, verses 4. Uh, he says this, One thing, one thing, I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Wow. I believe that that's both the heart of Jesus calling us to come after him and to join him and the heart of David that, that, that really was an example of, I think, the response that the Lord is hoping to see in each one of us. And so I just want to wrap it up with a, a quick slide and three questions for us as a people. So if you can pull up that slide, this is what I believe God is calling us to model our church after in 2021. Can everybody see? Everybody see what that is? Farmersonly.com. 
And here's why. And here's why. No, we just, we just saw, and I hope you've heard the heart of God in this service. He's coming after us in Canada. The online dating industry, just so you know, is about 3 to $6 billion per year in America. It's a huge deal, right? And here's why I bring this up. I brought it up because it seems a little bit more innocuous, a little bit more innocent than, you know, some of the other dating sites out there. But if you met on an online dating site, don't feel alone. Um, back in, I think, 2017, 2018, there was a study that showed that 39%, well over a third of newer relationships had actually met using some sort of online service. But here's what I think is interesting about this. This entire industry exists for one purpose. What's that one purpose? Love, connection, someone finding someone else that they want to love, right? An encounter, a connection, a love connection. And I believe that God is saying, man, church, if we can just come back to the very basics of what's most important. You know, we get all caught up in, oh, the website and the design and the, the, the whatever. And can you imagine how foolish it would seem if, if, if a, an online dating service got all caught up in themselves and forgot about, what, what are we here for? We're here to help people find love. And I believe that God sometimes looks at us as a church and says, guys, you're off mission a little bit. Come back to like, it's all about one thing. Your reason to exist is to facilitate people encountering me and me encountering them. And so I want to ask you guys three quick things. One is, what should be the gauge with which we evaluate, with which we assess our events, our plans, our purposes, what we do in the weekend service, what we do outside of these doors, in light of God's heart for encounter? Should it not be, Lord, is this helping bring people to encounter you? Is there anything that's more important than that and how we evaluate? When Pastor Dan said, hey, we might try some different kinds of things. Man, I don't expect that all of us will be super comfortable with every individual different thing that we try. That's okay if it's like, oh, wow, I've never tried that before. Okay. But the point being, I think God would be pleased if we all say, let me take a minute first before I evaluate it based on my own opinion or my own comfort level or my own experience to say, hmm, is this something that could facilitate someone encountering Jesus. And if it is, maybe let's give it a shot or let's see what happens with it. So are we all agreed that we're going to look at whatever God leads us to do this year through the filter of is it helping people encounter him? Does that sound like a good idea? We can't do this without you. So, you know, <laughs> we can think it's a good idea, but it's only the power is going to be if we, the family, the body, agree together. Lord, we're willing to go some new places with you if it brings people into an encounter with you. Okay, the second one is this. Um, I believe that God is wanting us to, to develop a culture of patience with each other. And so my second question to you is, is it okay if I come on a weekend or you come on a weekend and maybe the person next to you is just getting rocked by the love of God? And maybe you're kind of like, eh, they were kind of like flat on that second worship song. And I think the temperature is like 72 degrees and I prefer 71 but, you know, so I don't know. It wasn't really a great weekend for me. Is it okay, though? Can we be okay as a family that sometimes it might not always be about me today? Maybe Jesus is coming to the, to the maybe next to me is the woman with the issue of blood or, or Nicodemus or, or someone that God is, is encountering in that moment. And it's like, wow, if, if my eyes are open around me and not just focus on me, maybe we can all agree to say, Lord, 
I'm okay. You know what, God? If you need to rock the person next to me today, I'm okay with that. So my second question is, guys, can we agree this year to be okay with whomever Jesus is going after an encounter, even if that doesn't happen to be us in a, in a particular way on a given weekend? Again, we can't do this without you. So we're not trying to steamroll or we're not trying to, you know what I'm saying? The only way this works is if we agree, okay, God, we're okay with this. Okay, Jesus, you're worth this. And, and here we are, and here's our heart. The third thing is this. What about when Jesus brings us to that point where it's like, oh, man, we're not sure we want to take that step? In Mark chapter 10, we read of a rich young ruler who came to Jesus, and he was like, hey, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus is like, oh, you know, honor your father, mother, blah, keep the Sabbath, whatever, gave him a few of the Ten Commandments. He's like, all those I've done since I was a kid. Jesus says he looked at him, and he loved him. And he said, well, one thing you lack. Sell all you have, and then you'll have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. And it says the rich young ruler went away sad because he had many possessions. You know, I think we forget sometimes that even Jesus didn't have a perfect record when it comes to encounter. Even Jesus had people say, I don't know if I'm ready yet, right? How would we evaluate that teaching? Oh, Jesus, well, you really clearly missed it because they really didn't follow, right? Sometimes in our own world, whatever only works is what's right. But Jesus sometimes is willing to go, can I touch you in that part of your heart that is the next step for you? Can I, can I just show you something that's holding you back from an incredible intimate relationship with me? And guess what? He still loves us. Even if we're like, nope, nope, I'm not, I'm leaving, I'm out, you know, and we're like, ushers, lock the doors, you know. <laughs> I know with me, hey, I don't always respond the right way the first time. Do you? But here's the thing. Third question, guys, and we'll close with this, is can we be okay this year to, to, to kind of navigate the uncomfortable? Is it okay if sometimes, whether it be me or someone next to me, Jesus is putting his hand on that place, and it's like, ugh, and there's a, there's a struggling with God. There's a wrestling. I'm not quite ready to surrender or there. But man, for the sake of encounter, because we know what's on the other side. When Jacob wrestled with God, who, what happened? He touched his hip, Maybe he walked with a limp for the rest of his life, but there was a double blessing on his life. God prospered him. God protected him. God blessed him. And, 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 and he was used of the Lord in incredible ways. Kenny, do you have a question? Woo! Kenny, you want to come up here and preach, brother? Says he also changed his name. Woo! Glory. From deceiver, supplanter to prince that can be used of God. Man, sometimes God is wanting to change our nature, change our name, but it's on the other side of the wrestling match, on the other side of the struggle. If we can all agree, Lord, okay, whenever you're having a wrestling match with one of us or all of us or me, bring it on. We're okay because we want to get to the other side of the encounter with you. Amen? Amen.